This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. Welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. Today, I have Caitlin Borncap with me, and we're going to talk um, a little bit about nutrition and maybe even bring it to the workplace and how to bring out more personal development with people, maybe through nutrition. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thanks, Budge. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Let's talk about how you got to this uh, program you call uh, Feel Great with Kate. And so can you talk to us about that whole journey and, and all the way up until now? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, my background is uh, in corporate consulting. And so along the way, I had found myself just um, wanting to learn more about health and wellness for my own personal journey and performance. And really that had started years ago when I had experienced an eating disorder, actually. So my um, relationship with food was very unhealthy at one point in time. And since then it had migrated to doing all the things like the calorie counting, the macro counting, trying all the different things. And really it took me a long time to find a healthy balance and to really learn about how, you know, nutrition and food and sleep and all that sort of things actually impact my performance. And I want to share what I've learned with other people and through that passion and really willingness and being open to sharing it with other people so that they don't have to go through the same, you know, struggle and tribulation. Uh, and most importantly, you know, prevent a lot of the, the, the things from the beginning. Um, and so that is a passion project that I had started a few years ago. And now I'm really, really um, passionate about helping high, high achieving professionals, you know, optimize their health from a sustainable perspective. And it, and it looks like uh, the packages you put together for people, at least this was from my perspective, that, and of course, foods, uh, I always I have an intimate relationship with foods, and I'm sure a lot of people are there, but you broke it down a little bit that makes it easier, I th- at least from the appearance. You could talk about how you broke down the packages to make it easier for people to make those transitions from your initial call and to some of your session uh, packages. Yeah, definitely. So I like to work with people through a three-step process, which first is assessing, second step is restore, and third step is maintaining and sustaining. So throughout that process, we go into um, you know a full assessment of where people are at today. I think that's the most important part is oftentimes people, one, they don't know where to start, but most importantly, it's like, well, what's going to work for you is going to be different than somebody else next to you because we're all in a different place right now from you know how we got here today to mm-hmm. what your body needs right now. So that's really the first part is assessing what you and your body need today and then working through that and restoring the body, the imbalances in the body, both from, you know, a nutritional perspective, right? Definitely through food, also through supplements where needed. And then most importantly, through mindset, because I have found that we don't have a lack of information right now. Like we're an information overload, in fact. And if you go on to, you know, the, the, the corners of the internet, you're going to find a reason to do everything and a reason to do like not to do everything. Right. And so there's so much conflicting information out there as well. And so really putting it into a, you know, bite-sized format where people can understand the changes that we can make to support their bodies to get them back in balance, but also want to maintain them. Because that was another thing, again, from my background of having, you know, an eating disorder and just also disordered eating, like thinking that I was eating healthy, but then going too extreme with it, where it's like, I find that most people I work with and come across are actually very type A perfectionists, overachievers, and we want to do it right. We want to Mm -hmm. figure out what's the exact right amount of calories I need in my body. And so there's also like the flip side to it where you're, you're coming at it from a very extreme perspective. And so being able to 
support the mindset along the way to create it and create these new habits in a healthy way is equally as important as the food itself. So I'm going to dive into a little bit deeper into the restore process um, because some of it's a mindset, right? But we're busier than ever. You're saying information overload, so is our schedule, right? And so obviously some of your clients that one of the reasons they reach out because they're struggling, but I assume they're still struggling through the process, but how do you work with people that are just busy and, and, and how to break those old habits? And they say, what was it's three weeks or six weeks to break an old habit? Uh, you know, like how, how long does it take to break a food habit? Because that, I could see that very hard to beat. It depends. Yeah, this is a great question. <laughs> uh, I think it depends on which habit it is, right? Like if it's a certain food craving that can be easily countered with like a nutrient imbalance. So for example, you know, I hear from a lot of women like craving uh, chocolate is a common sign of a magnesium deficiency. And oftentimes it goes hand in hand because most of us are overstressed. My stress depletes magnesium, right? It's a really common thing. Um, so I find that supplementing with magnesium helps pretty early on curb your cravings for chocolate. Now, if it's something more like you're craving, um, you know, other sweets like actual sugar or soda, or you have like a habit of giving, getting a certain treat every day after dinner or what have you. Um, the, it depends, like it, it, it can take a little bit longer because in that case, if you're craving sweets, it's more about, you know, balancing blood sugar, for example, mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of other things go into that. It's not just like as easy as a, as easy as just taking a magnesium supplement. So I think it depends. It also depends. I found on people's openness. Right. So again, coming back to mindset, mm -hmm. like yeah. how, where, this is what I always love when I, when I talk to new people, it's just appreciating where they're at because mm -hmm. everyone has a different concept of what wellness looks like for them. And also they're on a different point in their journey. So by that, I mean, if somebody's just finding like, Hey, I need to be eating healthier. And like, I'm currently eating like crap. If it's the first time that they're trying something to be quote unquote healthier, they're probably going to fail at it a little bit more versus if somebody is coming to me with like a chronic illness and they're like, I've tried everything. Just tell me what to do. That person's going to do everything I tell them to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're much more like invested. They have, uh, they have more, more skin in the game. So you, you made one comment, blood sugar. And I, I think when we spoke previously, you, part of your succession or your uh, session packages or part of your counseling that there's some blood work involved. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we yeah. Can you talk work. about like what what's the process for that, and then also like what like what do you use that information for in your consultations? Yeah, yeah. So the process is really easy. Uh, we run it at the beginning, so the initial assessment, as well as uh, the reassessment at ninety days to see how are things trending, how are we doing, um, and that tells us a lot of information about certain imbalances in the body, also some patterns, right? So. I'm not a doctor, so I don't treat or diagnose, but it, it's actually more helpful than that, in my opinion, because most medical doctors are trained through what are called, you know, like diagnosable ranges. So they won't tell you something's wrong unless it gets out of a really wide range and then you have, you know, whatever problem. Um, but I'm trained in functional ranges. And so it's really looking at certain markers to say, hey, we're getting near this outside of this functional range. That could mean X, Y, Z is causing this. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we kind of see, you know, that's my job as a professional to come in and say, I'm seeing these patterns and prioritizing how we want to approach that. Because typically what happens is, you know, most of us, you know, none of us are perfect. We have like, let's just say 10 things that we could work on. Sure. But to, again, going back to information overload, if we support all those 10 things today, like if I gave like you a list of a hundred things to work on, you'd be like, I'm not going to do any of them because <laughs> it's too much. Right. Yes. But the, the good news about the body is that if you support, you know, like the main area, like let's just say top priority, number one, you're inevitably also going to be supporting the other nine areas that also need support. So that works in our favor too. So 
to answer your question, the blood work gives yep. us um, a, a good picture of what's going on within the body. I, I view it as sort of, so we do a full assessment of symptoms. That's what the body is short, sort of telling us like externally. That's what you're able to notice about what's going mm -hmm. on in your body. And then the blood work is sort of like that inside picture of, hey, like, is there something else that we're missing that maybe doesn't have like a big symptom that you'd be able to notice right away? So um, I've uh, fallen off the bandwagon a little bit. Um, I'm a big ultra runner and uh, I wouldn't say big. I, I'm a big enthusiast for it. Um, I have completed 50 miles and I always said during those training runs that I wish I had this dashboard, right? To tell me what I'm missing. What can I add to it? Am I overtraining? Uh, should I shorten it up? Should I do more? Like if I only had a dashboard and it sounds like the lab work that you actually get is kind of like that dashboard that uh, you have and you take it in the beginning, you take it in 90 days to kind of give that snapshot. Another thing in a, in a, pre a previous statement you made, you talked about mindset. So I think this is a good segue to, I, I'm curious on how was your mindset when you did the ice plunge? Um, yeah, I tell you, uh, I've never done one fully. I've only done it in different parts of the body, hands, feet, whatever, knees. How was that? What was that like? And when we talk about that mindset, I like how, I mean, I think you put five minutes on the board. And so that's a pretty impressive number. And so talk about that uh, mindset you had to go through to get in that tub. Yeah, thank you. You know, I will say cold plunging isn't as extreme as uh, running 50 miles, so you, you're, you're doing well on that. But yeah, cold plunging has been something I've been more interested in recently in the last few months, just learning about the different health benefits. But also it's like the mindset around getting into it is every time I never want to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's part of also why I make myself do it mm -hmm. is because I have found that it helps me in other areas of my life. Um, and so when I'm thinking about the cold plunge, I've already made the decision that I'm going to do it. And then when it's about to happen, I'm, you know, getting ready for it, seeing other people maybe doing it before me. And I know it's cold. It's just this resistance, like utter mm -hmm. resistance. Like I hate, I hate the feeling of being cold. I don't enjoy it. Um, but I know it's going to be short lived and I've done it before. So I know that I can do it again. And I, I actually have found, I've learned now, um, by doing cold plunging with other people, social accountability really helps me a lot. <laughs> and I don't, you know, nobody else cares how long I'm in the cold plunge for. They, they really are not even looking at me, but just having other people to be like, okay, this is what we're doing. Like it helps legitimize it for me to be like, all right, yes, Caitlin, you're going to do the cold plunge. And yeah, I happened to, uh, be at a conference the other week where they had a complimentary cold plunge and it was really fun. So we got up early before a conference and yeah, it was, it was good. It was fun. It was something to look forward to and to try. You know, I didn't plan on doing it, but it was available. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take advantage of that. Sure. Now, it sounds like it's a repeated event, right? Because So I'm curious, what was the first time you did it? How long were you in the uh, in the, in the barrel? <laughs> the first time I did it was years ago when I went to um, some nice Breckenridge resort and they had what's called like a grotto where they had, you yeah. know, it's like a little room where they have all the nice things with the hot tub and the cold plunge. And I was like, Oh, I've heard of this cold plunge thing. Let's try it. And I think mm -hmm. I was in it for 15 seconds or something. I was like, yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. You know, I mean, it's something I want to, I want to do, especially uh, if I ever get back to um, all the running, but like you said, the social aspect is really cool because I tell you that first 50 miles I did, if it wasn't for the people on the trail, I don't know if I would have made it. I mean, they're just fantastic people. Ultra runners are completely different than marathon runners, and uh, they're a lot more laid back um, and and very social on top of it. I mean, they're eating pizza and having whiskey on the run, but uh, um, marathon runners don't really do that. Uh, but we definitely need ice after the fact. So back to the idea of being super busy, overscheduled, overworked, right? So, and a lot of things that we do on this podcast, we talk about the employer um, place setting, right? And so, so like a lot of these employees are overworked, right? They're, they're driving, they're dropping the kids off, they're picking them up. 
And so like, what are some ideas that you give to some of your clients about how to manage some of that when it comes to either not, I mean, I know we're talking a lot about nutrition, which I think is a key piece of it, at least from my perspective, but then also that balance, right? Like, like I'm just as guilty, even though I have this fancy watch that gives me the tinger of getting up and going for a walk and I never do. Right. And so there's that balance, right? So what are some of those ideas that you help share with some of the people in the workplace of making it a little bit better? I think it's about identifying where you're at. So are you somebody who really loves your job and it's just taking everything out of you? Like you genuinely love the job, but it's just defeating you. Um, Because in that case, it's all about reframing it to say, how can I fill my cup up? Like, how can I transition my days to actually support myself from a physical perspective? Um, And in in that way, I think it's easy for people in that sense, because they're like, yes, I want to perform better at my job. I love it. How can I be better? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're coming at it for more of like, I'm just busy and burnt out. Like I don't have energy for my job. I don't even have energy to go, you know, grocery shopping. The last thing I want to do is think about, you know, changing up my whole diet and taking supplements because that sounds like a lot of work. We need to take a step back. We need to calm things down. We need to really assess what got us here and how is that impacting you? Because at the end of the day, again, it's like, we don't have an information, like lack of information problem. So if somebody's in that place, I think that they just haven't been able to realize for themselves like where is this leading them and how is it serving them in that case it's not serving them so it's sort of you know it's like a roundabout answer which is to realize that it's not working for them is the first step and then you can change because you know i heard this one saying one time and it's like if you don't have time to meditate for five minutes you need to meditate for an hour (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think i heard that once before if you own a business elite benefits of america wants to remind you that health insurance open enrollments are either happening now or coming very quickly. And this is the time to review and implement a health care plan to make or keep you as the employer of choice. Deadlines for open enrollment range between November 1st and January 1st. Get ahead of the curve. The Small Business Special Enrollment Period, part of the Affordable Care Act, now allows employers with 49 employees and under to offer health benefits without contributing a dime to the employee plan. Help your employees save money on taxes with health insurance they're already paying for with their hard-earned dollars. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. One other thing I want to bring up about, and we keep talking going back to foods, but you're, you're working on this uh, Nutrition Basics online course. There's a wait list. So anybody that's listening to this, go ahead and sign up for um, Caitlin's wait list for that. What are a couple ideas that are going to come out of that uh, online course that uh, people are waiting for? Yeah, really walking people through what I call the pillars of health and the daggers of disease. So really understanding like, what are the things that we need that, you know, we, if missing from the pillar would cause the rest of the foundation to crumble, right? And so those include things, definitely nutrition, um, mm-hmm. sleep, movement, passion, community, community, um, just like a sense of purpose, all of it. Because the more I find, you know, how food impacts our body, and then I learn about how another, so let me just break it down with like kind of the principle of why when we talk about nutrition and wellness, so many other factors come into play because I think that that was something that was new to me. So I approached initially early on wellness from um, a weightlifting perspective. Like I was just trying to change the way I looked. I was just trying to be more lean. 
um, skinny. Right. And then I found nutrition. I was like, Oh, okay. Food, this whole other category is like, yeah, I guess what we eat three times a day that also impacts our body. Right. Duh. Like that's an easy, uh, way for people to be like, yes, that makes sense. But I think what a lot of us miss is that what is the end result of like the food we eat or such as like lifting weights, right? It's, it's a reaction and a physical process that's happening within our body. Um, mm. most of which thankfully we don't know much about it's happening subconsciously. Our body just does it for us. It's beautiful. But the thing I want to get across is that all these other things in and around our environment also have similar physical effects on our body, right? Like sleep, being outside in the sun or not being outside in the sun, like being inside all day, um, lack of friendship or like a really strong support group, all those things have similar impacts to our body. And so now that I've been able to see, you know, how nutrition, for example, can support us, I view the other categories of the pillar of health and daggers of disease in the same way, because it's ultimately supporting like our body in the best way that we know how. Um, and so I think the daggers of disease is a concept I came up with because I always feel I'm always sort of torn as to do we give more of the good first or do we take away the bad first? So it's like this really delicate balance of depending on the situation, somebody might have, you know, like the classic example in functional medicine is living in mold. You cannot get better if you're living in mold or if you have a, like, even if you're working in mold, most, you know, I think the last stat I saw was 60% of the buildings in America are moldy. So it's unfortunate, right? This is a really serious problem that we have. So if you are experiencing something like mold, you need to remove that before any other process in your body will even begin to start functioning again. So that's one where it's like, yeah, you have to take that one out first. Um, and so it's this delicate balance of giving enough of what we need and taking out what's actually harmful to us. So you, you bring up an interesting point about the mold and, and um, you know, you said 60% of the buildings have it, but in order to change the, you have to change the environment before there's any progress, but all encompassing, I, I'm curious on where you see in trends here, and not only with something like that, but maybe in the workplace at home, where nutrition, whether it's balance, like what are you seeing trends that we're seeing going forward? I know COVID totally derailed a lot of us, but what are you seeing going forward? What what kind of outlooks are you looking at? Are you looking at people moving to the positive or is there a mix? I think overall it's it's positive in the sense that the awareness that people have now for how important their health is and how you know the things I touched on actually do impact our health. Um, is good. I think that that's something that people are really hungry for more information mm -hmm. on these topics and they want to learn it. It's it's um, coming at it from a really good place. I think also what's what's trending and what's coming is, unfortunately, we, we live in a, an environment, right, where our food and our daily habits are a product of our conveniences. And also, you know, with my business background, I can appreciate as to the companies that are producing these products that we're buying also are making a profit, right? We all mm -hmm. understand business case. So what's the short end of the stick? Like our health ends up, it, it ends up coming at the cost of our health. And so what that is causing is we need to take personal responsibility, um, you know, on a ground level for each, each of us, where I, where I do see some really cool things trending is actually, like you mentioned, right? Like with the watcher, you have a lot of time out there thinking when you're ultra running, I, I imagine. Yes. So you're thinking about that dashboard, right? There's yes. a, there's a lot of cool technology that I've seen, um, and I want to learn more about, you know, different wearables that give us real-time data. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, like in my practice, I'm exploring having my clients use a continuous glucose monitor because it's now becoming much more affordable. So it's the trend that we see in technology, right? Where um, 
whether or not people realize this, right? Like red light, super popular right now. That's athletes were using that over 10 years ago and it was thousands of dollars. It's just like that, right? Similar to cold plunging, you know, now it's becoming more socially acceptable. Um, And so it's just like that. This trend is just going to continue to happen for the better as well. So on one end, we're kind of fighting like the conveniences in our modern world and our habits, like human habits just lead us or human human, um, instincts. But the um, invention of all these cool things technologies I think will really help us and and just becoming more aware right so giving us that data and making it more personal because again I think it's easy to have all this information like as separate from us right like I can read an interesting article or a book but then at the end of the day you're like yeah I'm going to keep going and about my day and live my life the way I want to so unless you have like data about you specifically like today so for example like in my life I use an aura ring and I've used it for now, I think going on three years. And I love that thing. It just, it, I've learned so much about my sleep and I now know I can kind of like predict like, okay, you know, if I have, you know, a cocktail or something, my sleep is going to decline. And so it deters me from drinking because now I know my sleep is so important to me and how mm-hmm. much better I feel when I do have it. And that also kind of plays into, you know, supporting myself through struggling with depression over the years. And so it's given me that data. Whereas before I felt like, I mean, I knew I kind of didn't feel very good if I didn't sleep well but I, I, you see what you can get away with, right? I'm very stubborn mm-hmm. and I like yeah, sure. to see what I can get away with as does everyone, right? And so the advent, the advent of these wearables <laughs> and these technologies for more bio-individual uh, information will be really helpful. Back to the ultra running, at some point, you just start giving up watch tracking and all that stuff. Uh, you just kind of like, forget it, I'll just keep going. And uh, the only thing you have to worry about is water at that point, but uh, and a little bit of food uh, to keep you moving. But, you know, on some of those ultra runs, um, trails the only thing that keeps you going is each aid station has a little shot of whiskey waiting for you has your name on it so you just kind of keep moving even though you're so dehydrated it's just gonna um be be absorbed right away anyways and so it doesn't make any impact but one of the questions uh i want to ask before we wrap things up is that um you're a certified nutritional therapy practitioner can you give us a little background on what that is and why did you seek it out and, and what are you doing you how you how are you using it for your clients Definitely. Um, so as an NTP, I'm trained in understanding the different systems of our body and most importantly, what how, how are they supposed to function in a proper way and what it looks like when they're not functioning in a proper way, um, as well as assessing different symptoms that maybe give us clues as to which uh, systems are out of balance. And it's really based on you know a, a functional approach through lifestyle, diet, and nutrition. Um, and how I got into that was, you know, hey, like I shared, it's like, I felt so passionate about my own personal journey, and I wanted to do more, I wanted to expand my own knowledge. And once I opened up that door to determine, hey, yeah, I do want to go through a formal training process here and get certified and, and actually potentially help other people, it just seems like a really good fit, because it's a very foundational knowledge of how the body system works. Um, and it also allows me to give that information back to people and to help them see you know, how their, their symptoms are equating to their personal health as well. Definitely a great thing, a great topic, a great subject matter. And I think a lot of people need to listen to what you have going on. And so if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, reach out to you to get more information, definitely encourage signing up. I know you have a wait list uh, for that online program, but then you also still have scheduling ongoing sessions. Can, can you share with our audience? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can find me at Instagram at feel great with Kate. I'm active on there and Mm -hmm. also on LinkedIn. Well, this has been great. I I appreciate your time with this. And I think uh, 
uh, the information that you shared with us will help people not only in the workplace but at home and and get that balance back and uh, get things headed in the right direction. Thanks so much. Thanks, Beth.